Open God's words with me to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 3. I think for our Sanctity of Life Sunday, I was just a little bit off on the schedule and my timing because we're finishing up. We should be finishing chapter 4 today, but we're going to go take a quick look in chapter 3 and then we're going to spend the rest of our day in the book of Genesis. Acts chapter 3, verse 15. Peter is preaching after they, Peter and John, through the power of the Holy Spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazarene, healed the lame man sitting at the entranceway to the temple. And Peter is letting the religious leaders have it. He's laying it on thick. But in verse 15, he says, and for, well, let me back up and, and start in 13. The God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus, the one whom you delivered up and disowned in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you disowned the holy and righteous one and asked for a, ma- a murderer to be granted to you. But you put to death the author of life the one whom God raised from the dead, a fact to which we are witness. And as much as the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection, I think Peter loves just repeating that over and over to them, that Jesus Christ was raised from the dead. That he is no longer in the tomb. The tomb is empty. It's not filled. He has risen. Ah, we got to get in practice. Easter's coming up, all right? He is risen. risen Amen and amen. Okay, so here he says, Peter says that you put to death the author of life. one One of my favorite verses when we were going through Nehemiah was Proverbs 21.1. Can anybody quote it? I said it enough times, you all should have it memorized. Okay, Proverbs, and I should too, but just so that I don't goof anything up. The king's heart is like chambers of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. God sets up and he takes down. He puts people in place for a while and then he takes them down once they've served his purpose. One that should be comforting in that We know that he has a plan for our lives. That's why we're still here. If he was done with us, he'll take us out of here. He'll take us home. And I and and I know I I say that all the time and I love to hear it, but I got real excited because I actually heard David Jeremiah saying the same thing in a message he preached in the last couple of weeks. I said, Good, I'm not the only one. I'll just let the people know and remind them again. If you're still here, you got work to do. It's not just a warm seat, okay? I promise you that. God's got more for you than that. He's not going to leave you here just to warm a seat. He wants you to be about his business and about his work. But he has a plan. He is the author of life, and he has a plan for you. Last year on our Sanctity of, of Life Sunday, 
the, the idea and the thought came to me for, for this year's sermon. And so I wrote it down so I'd remember it. And then I had to write it a few more times during the year because I'd lose the paper and not remember where I put that, but that's all right. I want to look at some instances in Genesis today where God opened and closed the womb of these particular ladies that we're going to talk about. doesn't always say why he does it. In fact, most of the time it doesn't say why, other than as he turns the heart of the king and it's like a channel of water and he puts it wherever he will. He has a plan for each woman's life. And shall we say each womb? Okay? He, he has a plan and a purpose and a reason. Turn to Genesis chapter 11. That's where we're going to start our journey today. There's a couple there by the name of Abram and Sarai. Abram and Sarai. Later on we'll know them as Abraham and Sarah, but right now they are Abram and Sarai. Genesis 11.30. Just kind of out of the blue. Of course, they're talking about the the lineage and the, the family tree. Going back to Terah and then down through Abraham and his brothers. But we get to verse 30 and it says, And Sarai was barren. She had no child. I find that interesting that 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 was of significance that God wanted that put in his in his word. But it's there for a reason because we're going to see where this goes. Genesis chapter 15. After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, Do not fear, Abram. I am a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram said, O Lord God, what wilt thou give me, since I am childless, and the heir of my house is Eliezer of Damascus? And Abram said, Since thou hast given no offspring to me, one born in my house is my heir. Then behold, the word of the Lord came to him, saying, This man will not be your heir, but one who shall come forth from your own body, he shall be your heir. And the Lord took him outside and said, Now look towards the heaven and count the stars, if you are able to count them. And he said to him, So shall your descendants be. And in, in, in this, this, this next verse is amazing. Then Abram believed in the Lord, and he reckoned it to him as righteousness. I've got no kids, Lord, but you're telling me that I'm going to have as many as there are stars? And he believed. He believed that God would do what he said he would do. And his faith and, and God, the God reckoned his faith to him as righteousness in verse 6. Genesis 16, just over the page. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children... And she had an Egyptian maid whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, Now behold, the Lord has prevented me from bearing children. 
Please go into my maid. Perhaps I shall obtain children through her. And this was not God's plan. This was Sarai's plan. And Abram listened to the voice of Sarai. And after Abram had lived 10 years in the land of Canaan, Abram's wife Sarai took Hagar, the Egyptian, her maid, and gave her to her husband Abram as his wife. They went in, he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her sight. Now, isn't that interesting that God would open the womb of the concubine or the mistress of her maid to keep her womb closed? Hmm. Verse 6, Sarai said to Abram, May the wrong done me be upon you. I gave my maid into your arms, but when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her sight. May the Lord judge between you and me. But Abram said to Sarai, Behold, your maid is in your power. Do, Do to her what good is in your sight. So Sarai treated her harshly, and she fled from her presence. Does, does, it, does it ring or sound any familiar, like maybe the Garden of Eden? Not me, Lord, it's that woman you gave me. Not me, Lord, it's that serpent that deceived me. It's not my fault. Couldn't, couldn't. The responsibility couldn't fall on me. Hmm. Abram was just as guilty as Sarai in this case. He should have never gone there. That wasn't God's plan. How many times in our lives do we think we know better than God? How many times do we take God off the throne and put ourselves there and think that we know better and that our decision is the right way to go? Because God, after all, wasn't bringing about children through his wife. So I guess we better do something else because God doesn't know what he's doing. How many times in our lives do we think we know better than God? Every time we sin. Every time we sin. Should have never gone there. But it's it's interesting because God, God could have closed the womb of Hagar just like he did to Sarai. He could have closed her womb. But he didn't. He chose not to. Chapter 17. And here we have, in verse 1, it says that Abram was 99 years old. And over in verse uh, 17, verse 15, no, verse 17. And, and, and as part of the covenant that's, that's happening in this chapter, uh, I'm sorry, in verse 5, Abram becomes Abraham. In verse 15, Sarai becomes Sarah. And again, through this, he is the Lord is saying in the covenant, verse, um, let's see, verse 2, I will, I will multiply you exceedingly when he's talking to Abram. Uh, verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Verse 16, Sarah shall become the mother of many nations. And will Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? But God said, Abram said to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. That, that Ishmael might, he, he was the, the, the son of Hagar. 
that made the wrong planning on Abram and Sarai's part. Verse 18 of chapter 17, Abraham says to God, Oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. But God says, No. But Sarah, your wife, shall bear you a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. Just a, a quick sidebar. If you look back in, in the middle of the, the, the Abrahamic covenant there in verse 12, part, part of the covenant and the, the thing that was going to set the Jewish men apart was, was circumcision. Verse 12, God instructs them, every male among you who is eight days old shall be circumcised throughout your generation. Just a little quick side note. Why the eighth day? Does anybody know? On the eighth day, God inserts a squirt of vitamin K into a little boy's body. Now, see, if you, if, you, if you believe in evolution, this just has to blow that right out of the water. How would God know that? On the eighth day, a little boy's body produces, obviously by God's plan and direction, vitamin K is, is a blood clotter, right? Vitamin K is the blood clotter. So that the little boy doesn't bleed to death, all right? God worked that out. Anyhow, that's not the message. That's just a cool side note. I always love pointing it out because most people don't know that, but we need to, we should know that. We should know that. That's how great and how cool our God is. That He He does that. He puts that together. And in, in, in Abraham, Abraham didn't know that, that the that the little boy's body did that on the eighth day. He just obeyed the Lord and did what God told him to do. And then science figured it out. It's pretty cool. Science didn't create it or make it happen. Science just figured out what God was already doing. Okay, where are we here? Uh, Let's see, they got their name changes. Chapter 18, verse 6. Um, Let's see, they have, yeah, they have some guests coming. Um, Actually, just in the story of Genesis, these, these guests are on their way to Sodom and Gomorrah to take care of business there. But on their way... They stopped by Abraham and Sarah's. New names now because now they've, they've been given the covenant, the agreement to come under the, the, the headship of the Lord. Verse, uh, Genesis eighteen sixteen. So Abraham hurried into the tent to Sarah and said, Quickly, prepare three measures of flour, knead it, and make bread cake. Abraham also ran to the herd, took a tender and choice calf, gave it to the servant, and hurried to prepare it. He took curds and milk and the calf which he had prepared and placed it before them. He was standing by them under the tree as they ate. And then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? And he said, behold, she's in the tent. And he said, I surely will return to you at this time next year. And behold, Sarah, your wife, shall have a son. Now, I know that Sarah is the only wife in all of history, who has ever eavesdropped on one of her husband's conversations, but Sarah, Sarah was listening at the tent door, which was behind him. 
Okay. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, advanced in age. Sarah was past childbearing. Well, we know that she was at least 90 years old. This time next year when they come back, she's going to have a son. She's going to be 91. And Abraham's going to be 100 years old. Sarah laughed to herself, saying, After I have become old, shall I have pleasure? My Lord, behold, being old also? The Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I indeed bear a child when I am old? Is there anything too difficult for the Lord? I mean, after all, he created the universe. Getting this woman to conceive could be a pretty tough task. At the appointed time, I will return to you at this time next year, and Sarah shall have a son. Sarah denied laughing, however, saying, I didn't laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. Verse 20, or chapter 20. We'll skip over that Sodom and Gomorrah thing and all the nastiness of that. Abraham lies about his wife and says that she's a sister so that they won't kill him so they can have her as as one of their harem. Abimelech is, uh, okay, the Egyptian's king was called a pharaoh. And, And most scholars believe that the Philistines called their king Abimelech because it means ruler, mighty ruler, or something like that. And so, because, and the reason I say that is because we see Abimelech here in chapter 20 dealing with Abraham, but in chapter 26, we're also going to see another Abimelech dealing with Abraham's son. Because, like father, like son, the son tries to pull the same trick with his wife that his father pulls here. Trying not to get killed because she was beautiful and all all that goes with that mess. So he lies. And I, 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 I wouldn't have even brought Abimelech into this, but we got to read the last two verses of chapter 20, verses 17 and 18, uh, because of what could have happened had they violated Sarah and taken her, one of, one of the Philistine men had taken her and slept with her, with her already being another man's wife. There could have been some repercussions and consequences. And so... I didn't, I didn't write the verse down where the Lord closed the wombs of the Philistine women, but in verse 17, Abraham prayed to God once he was found out and all of it shook out in the wash. Abraham prayed to God and healed Abimelech and his wife and his maids so that they bore children. For the Lord had closed fast all the wombs of the household of Abimelech because of Sarah, Abraham's wife. Life comes from God. He is the author of life. And whom he doesn't see fit to allow to be pregnant, he closes the womb. And and, and the term there says closed fast. There was no way those women were going to get pregnant. No way was it happening. Because God had closed and now... Abraham prays that they would be opened because it was his sin that that caused that upon them. 
So God is not just interested in the wombs of Christian women, of of women that believe on him and follow him. He is concerned with all wombs because he has created life. He is the author of life. There is a reason and a purpose that he does what he does. Do we always understand it? No, we'll refer back to Isaiah 55. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. His ways are higher than ours. We, in our finiteness, cannot understand why he does all that he does. It is not for us to know. But as Abraham believed in faith, when he said it, even though his wife was childish and childless, excuse me, and there was no, no birth on the horizon, Abraham still trusted and believed and had faith. So, I don't know why he didn't allow his faith to control what was going on here in chapter 20, but he stepped outside of God's plan here. But God God is concerned about all wombs. Chapter 21, the Lord took note of Sarah and he had said, as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had promised. So Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham in his old age at the appointed time of which God had spoken to him. Abraham called the name of his son who was born, whom Sarah bore to him Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born and Sarah said, God has made laughter for me. Everyone who hears will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children, yet I have borne him a son in his old age? Just as God said it would happen. Just as God said it would happen. Now, he has a son Isaac. Let's roll over to Genesis 25, and we're going to talk about Isaac for a little bit. Abraham and Sarah's son. Remember the story of how Isaac got his wife, Rebecca? Okay, we won't spend a lot of time there, but he, family, he's, Abraham says, don't marry a Canaanite woman. Go back and get somebody from the homeland back in Haran. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so the servant went back and he said, Lord, give me somebody that will you know, come out and give me some water and then water the cattle. And... He was successful, and the servant takes Rebecca back to to meet Isaac, and they're married. Isaac was 40, and um, let's pick it up here in Genesis 25, verse 19. Now, these are the records of the generations of Isaac Abraham. Uh, Verse 20, Isaac was 40 years old. Verse 21, Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was barren, and the Lord answered him, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. Now, Isaac and Rebekah were married when Isaac was 40 years old. When Rebekah finally conceived and the twins were born, how old was Isaac? He was 60 years old. 20 years. 20 years they waited. Today, if people 
really want a child and they don't get pregnant after eight or ten months, they start panicking and they go to the fertility clinic and, and all this stuff. Twenty years they waited before God opened her womb and allowed her to conceive twins. Jacob and Esau. Oh, where to go here? Verse 25. The, the first, let's see. Verse 22, um, Genesis 25, 22. But the children struggled within her and said, she said, If it is so, why, then I, why am I this way? So when she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, she, she's asking, why, why, why all this turmoil in my belly, Lord? He, he, I got two babies in there, and they're fighting. The Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two people shall be separated from your body, and one people shall be stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. Now, one of, one of the big things that focus on the family is pushing in their pro-life movement is ultrasounds. Because if mothers can see their baby in an ultrasound, they are a lot less likely, I don't know the exact numbers, but they are a lot less likely to abort that baby. Now, and, and, and they've, they, they, they've developed in technology as it's happened over the years. There's, there was the ultrasound and then the 3D, and now they have a 4D ultrasound. Guess what? I don't know how many Ds this was, but God, this is the first ultrasound ever right here, okay? This, this is the first ultrasound because God could look in there and see what was going to come about. I don't know how many dimensions that was, okay? But God knew why there was a struggle going on in Rebecca's womb. Two twins, two na- or, yeah, two kids in there, two nations. There's going to be struggling. And then in, in verse 26 of chapter 25, it says, And Isaac was 60 years old when she gave birth to them. 20 years. 20 years they waited and trusted God. We, we don't have any, any scenarios here where where Rebecca was willing to give her maid to, to Isaac. So I, I guess we'd have to say that, that Rebecca was quite a woman of faith too, and trusting in the Lord that, that he would do what he said he would do. Chapter 26, he's re, the Lord reiterates the covenant to Isaac, Abraham's son. Verse 4, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, and my law. Because his father was obedient, God was going to keep that covenant down to his son and keep it running to the generations. Dads, dads, we have a responsibility. Granddads, we need to help too. But dads, you have a responsibility to be an example to your children. To be a man of faith. To obey. To keep God's charge. To keep His commandments, His statutes, and His laws. You need to set that example for your kids. It's a big responsibility, but you need to do it. It's got to be done. And Abraham was a fantastic example for his son, Isaac. So the twins are birth, born, and, and the twins' names are Jacob and Esau. That's right, Jacob and Esau. 
the two nations that are going to war with each other. Jacob, we know the story with Jacob. He married, he, he goes to the, the, her back towards Haran to find a wife because Isaac doesn't want him to marry one of the Canaanite women either. So he heads back and he finds the wife. Oh, she is beautiful. He falls, it's, you talk about love at first sight. This is better than any Hallmark movie right here, okay? This is love at first sight for sure. And he makes a deal with, with uh, Rachel's dad. That the, the deal is he's going to work for seven years. And then he'll get to marry Rachel. Seven years and the wedding night comes and the next morning, poor Jacob wakes up and it's not Rachel next to him. Who is it? It's the ugly older sister. <laughs> yeah, that wasn't what he was expecting. He goes to Laban and he says, wait a minute, I was working for Rachel. Now, Oh, well, we have this tradition here. The older daughter has to get married first. Well, now you tell me. But he loved Rachel so much that he worked another seven years for her. And they go back. And it's kind of funny because Jacob, the name means deceiver, because with with what happened with Jacob and Esau with the birthright and the and the food and the hair on the arms and fooling dad. Rebecca had a big hand in that. Shame on her. But Jacob means deceiver, and isn't it funny? That his father-in-law deceived him and gave him Leah instead of Rachel. That the, the, the theory or the thought that we say today, what goes around comes around, is a very, very, very biblical principle. You will find it time and time again in God's Word. Not every time does it say it quite that clearly, but it's there. What goes around comes around. So be careful, okay? Be careful. Jacob and Rachel, you know the story. Leah, Leah has six sons for, for Jacob, and the one that he loves, the beautiful one, Rachel, he's still, still waiting for a kid with Rachel, and the Lord has closed her womb. Because, well, there's a lot of circumstances. We don't have time to get into all that, but Leah... God, God opens her womb. And there's a couple times in the story as you go through the chronology of it that there's a period where God closes her womb and then he opens it again. And then finally, Rachel bears two sons to, to Jacob. And what, who, who's, who's his first son? Joseph, that's right. Joseph is the first son born to Rachel. And, and we know the story of Genesis thirty twenty two. Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she named him Joseph, saying, May the Lord give me another son. And her last son was... Benjamin, and she died as he was born. 
All this to say that God is in control and that God has a purpose for every womb. Some wombs he closes and some he opens. But every every time he allows a baby to be conceived and born, we must realize that, that it is a gift from God. Behold, Psalm 127, three children are a heritage from the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. Job 33, 4, the Spirit of God has made me, and the breath of the Almighty gave me life. Right back to Genesis 127, God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And the little girl in our video read Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans for welfare, not for calamity, to give you a future and a hope. Then you will call upon me and pray to me and I will listen to you and you will, you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. In a group this size, I, I, the, the statistics will bear out that there's probably been at least two or three abortions from, from the women in this group. A, a group this size. I want you to know that if you had an abortion, God still loves you. And God can forgive you. David committed murder. Killed Bathsheba's husband, Uriah. God forgave him and used him as the king of Israel. Don't don't think that God can't use you just because you had an abortion. Don't think you that don't think that it's the end of your your worth to God because it's not. If you're dealing with that, seek myself for dick out. Not not that, that we're super counselors or whatever, but we'll pray with you and we'll if you need help Reconciling with God, we'll help you with that. We'll get you some counseling. We'll, we'll get you to, to where you need to be. Now I don't know where I wrote it down, but all lives matter. The born and the unborn. As we sang in, in, with our Advent in, in, in December, Jesus loves the little children of the world, red and yellow, black and white. All are precious in his sight. Jesus is the author of life. And who in the world do we think we are that we have the right to take that life? I know a month or so ago I shared with about the story about James McGann, who was the catcher for the Detroit Tigers. And we heard his testimony live in person. That his parents were told, and he doesn't tell you this at the beginning. He got you know got to keep the story going. But um, 
his parents were told to abort him because he had was going to have some sort of uh, a syndrome or whatever. So they said, abort that baby, you know, you'll do yourself a favor. Well, he's playing, he did. I don't think he's still with the Tigers, but he was the catcher for the Detroit Tigers for several years. Loves Jesus. But he, his parents were told to get rid of him because there was going to be issues. God, God blessed his parents and saw them through that. And, and he had some he had some some physical uh, difficulties, but he was able to overcome them with time and, and medical care. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. Nothing ever takes God by surprise. He has a plan. I know the plans that I have for you again from Jeremiah twenty nine. Another verse that the little girl read, Jeremiah 1, 5, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I have appointed you the prophet to the nations, talking to Jeremiah. But God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for every life. And as a nation, the shame is on us for what we have allowed to go on for the last 50 years. It's got to stop. We need to pray. We need to be active. Got to pray for our Supreme Court justices. Pray for our elected officials. God can move their hearts. We can't. I can't. You can't. God can't. Change and direct the flow of their hearts and where they're going. Appreciate our, our baby pantry. I know up in Houghton we had the, the Life Outreach Center. There's a crisis pregnancy place in the Sioux. There's help out there for moms, young, a lot of times uh, young single girls maybe in high school or college. They don't have the support of their parents. Support those organizations when you get a chance. And we're able to, to help moms that have already had their babies, but I know the Life Outreach Center in, in Houghton, I'm not sure about the one in the Sioux. But they were, they were in the process when we left a few years ago, and I know they have it now, of getting an ultrasound machine. So they could do ultrasounds right there, free of charge, to the young ladies, so that they could see their babies and understand that that's life. There is life there. It's not just a blob of tissue. God gives life. He's going he's gonna to let that life blossom and grow. Let's not forget that. Um, I did. I, I did fail to mention the flowers up here today. Uh, Jeanette had a birthday on Wednesday. Her family sent her some flowers, and they wanted to bring them and share them because they were still looking good today. But that's why we have flowers up here today is for the ladies. Let's let's close in prayer. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for letting us see these people's lives and how you worked in and through them by opening and closing the wombs. Father, every life is a gift from you, and we thank you for it. We also pray for, for help, for, for love, and, and forgiveness for, for women that, that may have had an abortion, Father. 
Help them to seek your face and to seek your forgiveness. Help us to love and support them, encourage them. Father, and we can do that because of who you are and what you've done for us. Thank you for your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Before we're dismissed, I um, want to remind you to get a copy of the um, agenda and the annual report for next week. And we have one more thing for you before we dismiss.